Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, with uh, coronavirus, it's tough times right now. In fact, uh, you've had the virus, so you know uh, how difficult it is for families, don't you? Absolutely. I think it's really scary for, for kids, especially, to, you know, and especially if somebody has it, um, worrying about, are they going to get it? Or is the person that, that has it, are they going to die? I mean, all these other questions which is why I love what we're doing today, because we're talking about how to talk to bereaved kids about the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And one of the points I wanna to make too is it is for, we know there are a lot of people that are joining us today who've had losses in the last couple of years, so their kids have seen other losses. And Heidi, there's also been the factor that, uh, as a grandparent, I can say myself, it's been scary for kids to think that they might give me, uh, as a vulnerable person, the coronavirus. and my and kids have talked about that. So it's, it's really um, a very uh, interesting time for people. And if they've had a loss, I would think it's doubly scary. So why don't you introduce our guest today and let's get some tips on talking to families. Okay, so our guest today is Dr. Robin Goodman and she has been on our Open to Hope show before on our cable show. She is a psychologist. She is in private practice in New York City, which is where she also lives. Uh, she is on the TAPS advisory board with us, which is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors of Military Loss. Uh, she is the former executive director of A Caring Hand, which is part of the Billy Esposito Foundation. And she worked extensively and did research with 9-11 families who had had a loss. She has published a great deal. And a lot of what she has published, I show, in, you know, I give to my, class, my trauma classes at Columbia. Um, she is an unbelievable person who has also set up support groups for children that are bereaved all over New York City. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the show, Robin. Dr. Robin, okay, so talk to us. Uh, you know, what if I've got a, a bereaved kid and, and they're hearing all this and I don't, I don't know, they're at home trying to do schoolwork and with everything that's going on right now, what a challenge and, and you know, do I just kind of ignore the corona, turn off the TV, play like it's not happening? This is already out of the box. So you can't stuff this back in. It's everywhere. They know why they're home. So ignoring it is not possible. And I would never advise that. Um, the truth is always, always much better and easier to deal with than imagination, right? So that's the first thing. It's always about the age of the child, the language you use, um, that what they've heard, um, what they're worried about. You can take the big thing and personalize it. One thing I, I just want to start out by saying is there's almost like three categories of bereaved kids right now, right? There's the children that were bereaved before this, mm -hmm. and this has stirred up new fears or triggers for them. Sometimes mm -hmm. we forget about them. Yeah. Um, then there's the kids that are newly bereaved by corona, 
And now we have kids who someone died and maybe it was not Corona or we don't know what it was. And like, where do they fit in? This is not a competition. All of these kids deserve special attention and they're all grieving in different ways. And parents, caregivers are the best source of support for these kids. Mm -hmm. let's, let's take an age group because I know it's different in different age groups. Say a child under seven. Um, who seems to be fearful, maybe wetting the bed again. Right, that, it's an excellent point because what you see with um, the younger age child is sometimes a regression to a time when things were easier, safer. And mm -hmm. that regression sometimes also tells you that they want some extra love and attention and care so you can provide that. You still want to be honest and say, what have you heard? It's a virus. That's why we wash our hands so much. There's a lot we can do. It's about taking control, mastering what's going on, but then also use play and art and stories to have them express and for you to communicate back in their language what's on their mind and what they're thinking and what they're scared of and answer in very concrete but very truthful ways in a way that doesn't scare them but empowers them and also validates that it's a hard time but what do we do about this let's do it together mm -hmm. you know um being in such close quarters with them i'm thinking about the mommy or the dad who are kind of in demand right now with this child do you have any suggestions for me if i need to get some space or you know deal with it so I'm not intently involved with the child every moment. Right, you know, especially for grieving kids sometimes, there may be a little bit of a resurgence of that um, separation kind of anxiety because, you know, it's comforting. But, you know, that isn't necessarily um, what's developmentally should be happening. And I think it's absolutely fine to embrace um, enjoy all that together time, you should, but everybody in the family needs a little independence, a little alone time, a little, you know, what do you do when you're bored on a non-corona pandemic day, mm -hmm. you know, a year ago? You need to learn your own resources and so that you can help them feel more confident in taking care of themselves and that you'll be there to take care of them, but they can also help and take care of themselves, occupy themselves because, you know, you want to look towards the future when everybody will go out again, things will be different and you want to help them feel more confident, even though at this time, everyone is a little more in the huddle and cuddle mode. And, and I know that you've written about this before, Robin, and saw it firsthand when you did the research with the 9-11 families. Um, talk about the importance of parents not having too much, like overwhelming amounts of anxiety in front of children. Right, I think, you know, the th it's tricky, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. I tell parents there's a little bit of pretend that goes on. Um, parents absolutely are entitled to their emotions, mm -hmm. but they need to show those emotions in, their, in a child's size 
when they're around grown-ups, they can have their grown-up size emotion, but then in front of their child and with their child have their child size emotion. So it's fine to validate, I'm scared, I'm irritable, I'm annoyed, I'm like, oh, all the school stuff, I've had too many Zoom calls today for work, I'm sure you have too many for school, or you know what, I, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in the house, you know, it's okay to talk about being frustrated, and then talk about, so they can hear that, understand that what they are going through is normal, Talk about how you miss, you know, grandma and grandpa, how you miss people you can't see, but you may keep other worries between partners or friends or family if it's about finances or about your scheduling or about the demands in your life. Use that as a grown up time and then use a child version for the child time. You know, I, th I think that's really interesting. I mean, a challenge now because you may be in an apartment yeah. and if you've had you know a loss yourself in the last couple of years and you're trying to maintain those emotions for the child i don't know um i don't know where do you find scream time <laughs> I, you know what i've i've heard it all i've heard the shower i've heard yeah. the bathroom i heard you know you know texting that friend i heard wait till the kids go to sleep you know, you see what you can do to, you know, to find it, or it's looking inward, being, I always say, you know, it's being aware of what's going on for yourself, acknowledging that that's okay and accept it, and then figure out what you can do to act to make it better. Because we can't take away the emotions. It's what can we do with them and what can you do to help your kids learn what to do with their emotions. And Robin, given that this is the topic today is talking to bereaved kids about coronavirus, how do you do that when we ourselves are uncertain about what's going to happen going forward? It's always about the can rather than the cannot. Okay. <laughs> so what can you control? We can control what we have for lunch today. We can control what, you know, how you do your homework. We can control which movie we're going to watch for movie night. Um, we can't control, and you know what, that's the case every day of our lives. We can't control everything. Mm -hmm. So here is the example of, you know, we can control what we do tomorrow. We can't always control, you know, everything that happens. Um, and also sometimes the good things. So what can we do to help other people? We can control that. And a lot of this is about kids feeling out of control. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, one thing that um, I think sometimes happens with kids across the board that are grieving is what will happen to me if something happens to you? Mm, and sometimes- when There's been a bereavement earlier and this virus yeah. is threatening right. people, wow. Right. And sometimes parents can listen for that. And maybe they just have to say, you know, it's one thing to say, don't worry, we're always gonna take care of you. Don't worry, someone's always gonna take care of you. Some kids may need to know, you know, aunt so-and-so, or you know, our best friend so-and-so is gonna always be there. You know, when we're not here, we always have somebody else. Just like if we can't pick you up after school, we always have somebody else. We always have someone, if we're not here, we always have someone else. And you may or may not give more details for some of these kids, because they are much more aware than maybe other kids. Um, the bereaved kids have a different context for this. Let's move a little bit to older kids. I think, you know, honesty works again, um, and also talking through what they're missing um, and being honest about that, that, you know, they're, they're sad. They have, they have reasons to be sad. Um, in their world, 
these are big things and they have every reason to feel what they're feeling. So again, what do you do about that? Or, you know, engage those teenagers around what can you do to help grandma and grandpa feel um, closer to you, even though we can't see them. So again, it's about empowering them with something to do rather than focus on what's being lost. Um, mm -hmm. It's about acknowledging that loss, but then what else can we do and how they're helping their family um, and how they're helping you know, each other. I like the idea of, of, of rather than coming from a place of deprivation, coming from a place of like Robin said, what can you do today? What are you, you know, what are you able to do today? Um, you know, in my situation, my teenager is in Arizona and she's, her friends are in New York, so it's not quite as hard. Um, I've found that the internet has been a godsend because she's able to log in to, with her friends and talk to them and be with them. So yeah, but I think it, it is, it is hard. And I know that I have two nephews that are seniors in high school and I think yeah. it's been particularly hard for them. Because right. this is the end of their senior year, right, Robin? I think it's hard because we have to look at this developmentally. Just like right. I said, some of the younger kids or kids who have anxiety, they're feeling like, great, you know, I'm with mom or I'm with dad or, you know, I'm feeling all secure now. And then on the other end, which is developmentally needs to change. On the other hand, you have those high school seniors that normally they'd be going out. They'd be kind of testing the limits. They'd be trying okay. to separate as they move on to other things in their life, maybe college. And now at the time of separation, they're, you know, quote unquote, stuck at home. So mm -hmm. how can you help give them some of that independence and not see it as acting out, but actually as appropriate developmentally? And maybe talk about the difference between, you know, teenage time and, you know, family time. And everybody should be able to have all of that for themselves. One of the things that uh, Heidi's kids and my the other kids and nephews and nieces have done are those games online right Heidi where they connect up with each other yes they connect up and game gaming is really big right now <laughs> with all these kids because they're able to it's a virtual community so rather than hanging out together you can game together it's a way to still be connected to your friends that's right. And that's what you want to make sure. Again, we always say, you know, social distance is not, you know, um, socially disconnected. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a big difference. Uh, do you have any thoughts on fear of the unknown for those teenagers or those, you know, high school kids or, you know, a little bit older um, that, you know, are, are concerned that this is going to come back again? They hear the news, they, you know, is this going to end? Right. I think, you know, teenagers, you get to talk to them a little bit more like an adult um, and they certainly feel like an adult and they're what we sometimes call emerging adults. So you can have, you know, maybe a serious discussion with them. And also maybe, you know, some teenagers can look at this historically, that there's lots of tough times that people have been through and what has happened afterwards and what will their history be and what will it be like as a moment in time in their life as opposed to the only part of their life and that how will they integrate this just like you know something that happened to them that was tough when they were five or eight or 12 you know what did they do with that experience now that they're 17 18 and 20 and what will same thing will apply here i know it's so easy for me to say for all of us to say and then how can we actually practice that um you know with some kind of intention um, and realize that it still feels crummy acknowledge that but okay what else 
what else have we learned and what else do we see have other people have done? I, I like this idea, Robin, because, you know, we grow, we grow tremendously after trauma. And right. as you know, from the post-traumatic growth yeah. research and the research that you've done, and uh, these kids don't realize it right now. And it's a horrible time in their history, but they are going to grow and in profound ways and possibly be more equipped to handle adversity in the future, which they will, we all will have. I know the two of you are living proof and living examples of what it's like to have, like to have something happen in your life that is, you know, enormous. Um, and still go on and thrive, survive and thrive and do incredible work with it. At the time, I'm sure you did not see this future um, for yourselves and all that you've done with it. Um, and it's true, the 9-11 families, I've worked with other families who have dealt with horrible deaths. And it's true, you know, post-traumatic growth tells us that you can um, have meaning from these things. You can learn things um, and they become a part of you in all sorts of ways. Um, and sometimes it's, it, it's not just that it's the negative or the traumatic or the sad, it's how do you integrate that within the rest of your life. Um, and we all will have things. Um, and then, you know, so you can do something with it. And also you can get help from other people to do something with it and learn how to integrate it. Because um, it's, you know, possible and you guys are some of the best examples I know. You know, we, we never wish these things on our children ever, ever, ever. But it's, you know, it's, it's remarkable. You and I, you know, we all get to see what people and kids can do with it that is just incredible and give them hope. Just like they didn't see anything, we, we didn't see this terrible thing happening. I like to tell people it means you don't know the positive, wonderful thing that still could happen um, down the road. And we need to be open and ready for, you know, both of those. And one will make the other that much, you know, better. And on a, on a given day, it may not feel like it, but um, manage it minute to minute and see where, you know, where you can go with it. And I guess the, the other two things I want to say that you're making me think about are, Remind kids of all the people out there that are doing amazing things right now that are the helpers, as Mr. Rogers says. Right. There's so many people out there that are changing the world right now during this pandemic in positive ways. And the other thing for parents that I want to say is let your kids know we're all in this together. We're going to get through this. I might, we might not know what's going, going to happen in the future, but we're a family and you're not going to do this alone. And I'm here for you. And we're going to figure this out as a family. And I'm here to support you. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you know, reassurance um, and support and comfort and that, you know, I'm, I will take care of you like I always have. Um, we will find new ways, um, but we will, you know, do this together. Even if it's hard, we're going to do it together. Well, Robin, thank you for doing it together with us and being uh, on the show today. You're always an inspiration. And thank you, too, for everything you guys do. And Robin, where do people find you if they would like to come see you? Oh, sure. You know, easy. Dr. Robin, um, Dr. Robin Goodman, you know, dot com. Or also I'm now working at the Child Health Partnership at St. John's University, um, where we're also running groups and doing all sorts of trauma and grief work there. So you can find me. Yeah. All right. Well, Robin, thanks again for being on the show. You're awesome. And we want to thank everybody for watching the show today and uh, for joining us. And Heidi and I, and I'm sure Robin, always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, Please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. 
You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.